Hello and welcome to the Pod of the Damned. I'm your host, Ian, and joining me this week is a new co-host. It's not Nico this week, we are joined by Anna. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I am doing very, very well. Thank you for coming on and agreeing to be Nico's replacement for this week's episode. Not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are a horror podcast that deep dives into a different topic every week in our quest to create a leaderboard of the best and worst horror movies of all time. This is episode number 81, and in today's show we're talking all about the 2010 James Wan movie, insidious if you would like to support this podcast you can do so on our social media channels we're on twitter at damned podcast we're on facebook and instagram at pod of the damned you can email us at pod of the damned at gmail.com and you can support us on patreon it's patreon.com forward slash pod of the damned uh anna you specifically chose to be on this episode why 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 did you choose to be on the insidious episode well because recently we well i started watching the whole franchise for insidious and quite liked it so okay because you're you're quite new to horror movies aren't you it's not like i've been watching them for two and a half decades you've 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 not even been alive for two and a half decades have you no um yeah this definitely is one of the first like kind of couple of movies that i've enjoyed a lot so but you've been listening to the show you you sit in the background and hear me record half my episodes anyway so you've been listening to the show for a while you're pretty familiar with what we do here um you obviously know a bit about our leaderboard where do you think insidious is going to come on the leaderboard i mean i would like to see it in like top 20 at least top 20 based on the movies that we've covered so far because you know pretty much about all the movies that we've covered yeah okay okay well we'll see if you're right but shall we just get straight on into it and talk about the film yeah okay uh today we are talking all about insidious are you ready yeah Sweetie? Morning, guys. I would really like to... <laughs> <laughs> He's not in a coma. I don't know This movie was released in 2010, was written 
um, was written by Lee Winnell, directed by James Wan, and stars Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, and Lynn Shea. The IMDb plot is as follows. A family looks to preve- prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called the Further. Now, I'm not. I'm. I'm pretty confident that you're. You're pretty familiar with quite a lot of James Wan's actual work, given that he also directed The Conjuring. He also directed the first Saw movie. So, given that he's done those two films and this film as well, would you say you're a fan of James Wan's work in general? Yeah, definitely. Well, would, would I you... mean, this would be my favorite work of his, but but more than Saw. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay, that's interesting because I think it's the Conjuring. I mean, it's hard to say which which of his sort of franchises have been most successful. He's he's a franchise maker when you think about it. Like a lot of films, you know, especially in horror, the sequels all over the place. You know, and and nine times out of ten, like this year, the biggest movie of the year is probably going to end up being Evil Dead Rise, which is you know the fifth movie in that franchise, or Scream Six, which is the sixth movie in that franchise, or indeed Insidious: The Red Door, which we went to the cinema to see recently, um, which is the fifth movie in this franchise. But when you think about it, James Wan, obviously started off this franchise and it's now on its fifth movie, The Conjuring. Okay, the actual Conjuring has three films, but if you look at the wider sort of Conjuring universe, if you take into account the Annabelle movies and the Nun movies and the the Curse of the La Llorona movies and you know that. That's a massive franchise, and Saw is obviously releasing its tenth movie this year. I think it's fair to say that if James Wan's starting off, you know, a new movie franchise, there's probably going to be uh, a lot of movies to follow it. So, I mean, in, in terms of like success, you can't really argue with that, can you? No. So, it it was quite it's quite it was quite funny to be honest with you because we obviously just just rewatched this, or you just rewatched this, uh, just before we came on air, and I saw you taking down your little notes which is the first time i've ever watched you have to do that so what 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 stands out for you because you obviously it's pretty clear that you're a big fan of this movie what what stands out for you what what's like the thing that sort of really turned you on to this film as someone as someone who's not necessarily sort of pro like i know you like horror movies now and things like that but you haven't seen a lot of them you certainly haven't seen like a lot of the classics and sort of some of the big ones um so what 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 was it specifically about Insidious that you really liked? It has like good kind of mix of things. Like it's not too like it's barely any gore or anything, and there are some good scares, but it's not too much or over the top. So it's quite enjoyable and easy to watch. I would say. I think I think that's a good point. It is quite an easy watching. Uh, movie in terms of like i feel like this because it's it's obviously not gore heavy like you say it's very much i think would be a good intro to horror movie if you was to show that to anyone who's not watched or even a younger person could watch insidious and you know be really scared with the jump scares and it's not too reliant on the jump scares as well because sometimes you can watch a horror movie and they just try to be scary all the time and it's just jump scare after jump scare and it doesn't really pan out. I think one of the good things about this movie is that not only is it probably just not quite jump scare heavy, but there is no like fake out jump scares. You know, there's no like moments that try and jump scare you, but in actual fact, you know, it's just a, a cat jumping through the window or, you know, the, the family pet, you know, something stupid like that. There isn't anything like that. All the jump scares are actual jump scares as well. So I think, I think that's definitely a, a, a good point to raise. Um, 
I think for me, probably what the the most and uh, the most sort of positive aspect of this movie is is the casting because and it's something that we talk about quite often and it's something I know we talked about after we watched The Red Door is that in general the characters in this movie are all pretty likable you know you've got Patrick Wilson who plays Josh you've got Rose Byrne who plays Renee and then you've also got you know your sort of paranormal side of it with Lynn Shea uh, obviously playing Elise, uh, Lee Wanell, who's the writer of this movie, playing Specs and Angus Sampson playing and playing Tucker, and they sort of give us the sort of comedy relief of the movie as well. With their sort, of, and that, that they obviously lean into that, you know, further on into the franchise, maybe more than they do so here. But I think one of the things that me and Nico especially have been talking about recently, and indeed me and Boomer talked about last week when we were doing Don't Breathe. You know, there's too often for me not any likable characters in a movie or no one to really root for. The problem is, you know, even you, you can have sort of a non-likable main cast if you have a really cool villain that you're going to root for. Um, and obviously in that last movie, I didn't really feel like that. You know, we had an unlikable sort of main cast and an unlikable villain. Here, I mean, it's difficult to sort of really say you can like the villain because... You know, we only meet the lipstick-faced demon uh, for, you know, a very brief period. And he's probably more likable just simply with the fact that he's got a bit of Tiny Tim going on behind him with the score. But we'll probably get into that in a little bit. And then, you've, you you know, you've really got the other ghosts and ghouls and, you know, some of them obviously will will interact with and, you know, further sequels down the line. But, um, yeah, how, how do you feel about those sort of overall casting? Is there particular characters you'd say stand out for you as likeable or unlikable? I would say all the characters are quite likeable. Um, it wasn't like, oh, hard to decide who I'm going to root for. I mean, a moment, some of the characters did get a bit frustrating, but... Are you talking yeah. about Josh? Yes. Okay. Well, Especially what... at the start. Why, why does Josh frustrate you? Well, because at the start of the movie, he seems kind of like typical movie husband. Because you know, most of the time in movies, they make their the husbands that they don't really help with the kids or anything. So he's kind of like typical movie husband, and it's kind of frustrating me. Did they do sort of lean into their sort of probably I would say stereotypical gender roles in this yeah. movie because it very much appears that like Josh is going out and being like he's holding down the steady job you know he's a teacher and then you've got Renee who's the stay-at-home mum but she's doing her sort of you know I'm, I'm so well, it, we're led to believe that she's a musician and well she is a musician <laughs> she's writing songs but you know but you know what I mean like yeah. that, that's her sort of profession you know she's a musician whether or not she's you know a teacher or you know she's actually releasing music or you know there's is slightly left a little bit more up to the air but that does sort of seem to be a bit more throwaway she does obviously seem to be a bit of the stay-at-home mum one thing I would say because obviously well let, let's let's put ourselves into this situation right so me and you Anna um we're at home and you know i'm i'm out doing whatever i'm at work or doing whatever you're at home and there's all these spooky goings ons and you i come home from work or whatever and you tell me this house is haunted we need to move would would you expect me to be like oh yeah let's just move house probably not but i, I would not know how you would react in that situation so well, it's, it's, it, it's hard to tell, like, what to expect. It's, it, no, the reason I say that is because I think so often as well, right, 
um it, it's become a bit of a trope where uh it's people sort of shit on the husbands for not believing their wives in these movies or their partners or whatever you know she's telling them and it's one of the things i think i can give josh credit for in this movie is that you know at no point really you know okay there's that brief moment when you know elise first comes on the scene where he's like no this has gone a bit too far but he very very quickly after that then agrees to go along with what she wants and aside from that there's no point really in this movie where he outrightly is just like no i don't believe you i think you're crazy you know, he goes along with what he says, and he does. They move house, and he even says that at one point in the movie where she's like, oh, you don't believe me. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I literally moved house for you. And I think I think credit has to be given for making that choice in the character as well, because I think a little bit too often we lean on the, oh, the husband doesn't believe the woman, she's just crazy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between Josh and Elise. Uh, Josh and Elise, sorry. Josh and Renee. Um, because there does seem to be a little bit of tension there between them, though. You know? And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I get the hint that something sort of has gone on between them before, you know, the, the film has taken place. Do you think Josh had an affair? Not. Mm. Hard to tell. I've never even thought about that. It's just because, you know, obviously, you know, she's sort of like, you know, when he starts staying late at work and grading tests, obviously we know at this point he's not really up to anything, you know, dodgy, but they're just, I don't know, they're just, I don't know if it's just me, but I just kind of get the impression that there might have been something like that, a little bit of distrust between them. They've obviously just moved into this new house as well, so, you know, what have they moved away from previously as well? I think it's it's something that I think is maybe worth a little bit sort of ponderance of thought. Um, I don't know, maybe that's just me reading too much into things, um, but it is what it is. Um, We've obviously sort of talked about a few different bits and pieces there. Um, and I know you, I brought this up to you when we watched this last time. There's one character in this movie that I feel really bad for. And it's the other brother who, I don't know if you're reading his name off, but if I, if I didn't have his name written there on our notes, would you honestly remember what his name was? I think I would, yeah. Okay. I just, I remember the first time I was watching it with you, you kept asking what's his name what's the brother's name yeah because the brother like i feel so bad for him like his other brother his brother's gone into a coma the parents are just totally like aside with him they've also got the baby as well he just seems like such a forgotten character you know and then later in the movie there's so much going on when they're doing the seance and all these hauntings are happening where the fuck's foster during all this who's looking after him well at first it was uh, uh lorraine yeah, but they she's grunt. there as but she's there as well. That's at the end. Okay. But well, maybe they got a babysitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you can see that in one point in a movie, uh, Foster comes home with like an award or something from school, mm-hmm. and um, Renee notices it, and yeah, he's not said anything until it's bedtime. Yeah, exactly. And because he finds it because. Because and it's... then he points out that he's scared of his brother, so... 
because yeah. they're shitty parents. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I, I don't know. I, I feel really bad for Foster. I think he, uh, he's he's definitely just sort of forgotten about completely in this movie. Um, let's talk about Ren and uh, not Renee. I keep getting Renee and Elise mixed up. Let's talk about Elise because she sort of comes in this movie halfway through. She comes in there with Specs and Tucker. There's a point, there, there's a part of this movie to me, right, and this is probably my biggest issue with the film, because I, I'm, I'm, I, I quite like this movie. I, I like the sequels probably less so as we go on, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the sequels a little bit um, before we finish this episode. Um, but the movie, it, it's, and it's probably, aside from Saw, I would say a criticism of quite a lot of James Wan movies, because you, you've seen The Conjuring as well, um, I think that his movies, and this is probably the biggest offender, are very formulaic in that they go along exactly how you expect them to go along. Aside, he likes a twist at the end, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's a spoiler for Saw, it's been out for almost two, 20 years, you know, when, when Jigsaw stands up at the end of that first Saw, that's like a huge holy fucking shit moment, you know? But here, the big twist at the end, you've got obviously uh josh being possessed by who we believe at this point to just be the sort of black bride obviously when we watch the second one we find out about it being you know parker crane and and all the story that goes along with that but he's been possessed here by the black bride and the problem i have with that twist is we know that twist is coming because josh kills elise so i don't know like but i remember when you watched this for the first time you were like super shocked by that you audibly gasped when we first watched it. Can't remember that. <laughs> you did. Honestly, honestly, it was literally a case of we were sitting watching this movie and the camera flashed and it revealed him to be the Black Bride and you literally went... <gasps> <laughs> but I don't know, like, how do you feel about that twist? Was that, like, a really... Sh- was that a shocking moment for you? It was, yeah, quite a bit. And you didn't, and you didn't, because obviously you'd seen Josh kill Elise. Did you just think that that was Josh? Well, he killed her after the camera. Yeah, but after we, she took a photo. Yeah, yeah, but we don't find like that. We don't find out that it's the the Black Bride until after her death. She takes a photo of him, but we don't see the actual photo. Then he kills her, and then at the end, it's when Renee comes in and takes the photo that it was revealed. Like, did you just think it was a possessed Josh, or, like, did you think he was possessed when he was killing Elise? Yeah, clearly, because he, his reaction and everything to, to like, her taking the bow just seemed a bit out of character. But <sighs> I didn't expect, like, the Black Bride. There's one, it's one point, actually, that really bugs me about this. It's probably the biggest thing that really fucking bugs me about this. I mean, when he's killing Elise, right, and he's strangling her in that chair, he's, like, screaming at her, right? Mm-hmm. And no one else hears him scream. They can hear a little bump, but none of them hear him scream. It's, like, my biggest fucking issue with this movie. Like, I know sometimes you have to just, like, be suspend your disbelief about things that happen and why people don't hear things, and you kind of have to go along with things. But that was just fucking stupid. I know American homes are a lot bigger than ours, but there's no fucking way he's screaming like that in the living room, and none of them hear him being like, you fucking bitch! It was a very uh, chucky moment, but, yeah, that was definitely a big issue for me. Um... 
But yeah, like obviously I mentioned earlier that it's a bit sort of formulaic in terms of it goes along exactly how you expect it to go along for me, this movie. You know, you have your sort of initial uh, introduction to the family before anything happens. Then you get your hauntings beginning. Then the psychic sort of comes in and you get your stunt. Like there's just nothing in this movie for me that really sort of stands out at this and at this being like really different. The difference, the difference, I think, for me in terms of this movie and what some other movies have done is this introduction of this sort of other realm called the Further. And from my readings and that, and doing bits of research and hearing other podcasts and listening to stuff online, blah blah blah, that's when a lot of people really sort of seem to start falling off this movie. They really like it up until the point, and then you get into that final act where we get introduced into the lipstick face demon more sort of thoroughly, and Josh goes into the Further, and that's really when people start to seem to dislike this movie is there a point in this movie that you felt that you know you noticed that there was maybe a point where you started maybe to lose interest or was that was that not a thing that happened for you and you were just sort of kind of hooked all the way through i would say i was just very interested the whole time when i watched the first time the second time i was kind of like trying to like look for things i might have missed so i would say still quite quite hooked on it well yeah i guess i suppose if you're sitting there and you're you know physically paying paying attention to it but like when you're sitting there you're saying quite hooked on it you're sitting there and you're saying you're you're looking out for stuff you missed is there any points in it that you felt was a bit like you were getting bored um no 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 okay um okay uh i know you've got some issues with how long this movie takes at the beginning it's one of the. It's interesting because it's one of the things I. I think I don't know if you remember when we were in the cinema watching Red Door. I turned around to you and I was like, "This movie takes forever to fucking do anything." You know that for me, that's one of the biggest issues with that movie is that it's so slow. And I know you have issues with how slow this movie is at the beginning. There is no sort of early jump scare scene apart from obviously that sort of big crescendo of noise where the title card comes up. Um. Aside from that, there's no sort of cold opening or there's no sort of opening sort of jump scare it just is very sort of wavy and and slow getting into it but you're not a big fan of that are you no because it takes about 10 minutes to like properly start and everything it just like when are you gonna like actually show the movie it's it's just taking forever but then maybe that's an, but then you know and it's it's a problem with all of them in the franchise like you think that happens of... in all five movies yes yeah like this this starting like kind of intro it's like like so long yeah I, I think but potentially could that not be something when you think it takes so long to get into it right and I, I you know i've just asked you there about whether or not you got sort of bored as the movie goes on does that not something that maybe you feel actually works in its favor because for you the intro to this movie is so slow that opening sort of 10-15 minutes of the film takes a really long time so that when stuff's actually happening later on in the film you know you're kind of more along the lines of well thank fuck there's actually shit happening now <laughs> i just wish they like kind of some movies they just like show their like the, the title of the movie and just go into it but here it's just like showing all the like um actors names and everything and it's just like so 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 slow so do you that you know 
you're obviously talking about that sort of opening period being really slow. How do you feel about the pacing of the rest of the movie then? Do you feel like it sort of picks up and really starts to go fast? Or, or is that an issue for you sort of going through is that everything's just sort of really slow? Um, I mean, it does pick up a bit throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not like fast-paced movie. I don't think any of them are like super fast-paced. Um, but it's not as painful as like the start of it. <laughs> is, is it really that painful? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's it is definitely a franchise that sort of is a much sort of I think given the sort of genre of movie that it is because obviously it's this sort of supernatural haunting movie which tends to not be my sort of favorite subgenre of horror anyway. Um, it is quite a slow burn. Uh, all the way through and even when it starts to pick up a little bit you know you, that even the scenes when josh is in the further later on they're even they're quite slow and i'd say that you know the only scenes where you get like a lot happening you get that sort of seance where elise is in the fucking gas mask what the fuck's the point of that gas mask by the way like is that it's it's so just there for like yeah that's that's a bit that's a bit confusing in a movie because yeah she's like wearing a gas mask and because they can hear whatever she's saying anyway because yeah like i don't they're need repeating you... it or writing it down yeah like it. you're like if you're whispering in my ear i don't need a fucking gas mask to hear you better i'll just put my ear up to your mouth you know um it's just it's, it's bizarre it's, it's clearly just there for visual effect isn't it it's there to something to like look cool um i don't know like it's it's, it's just a really bizarre one for me this because the lipstick face demon in particular has kind of gone on to become a bit of a cult horror villain you know he's someone who's really well known um it's it's a it's a villain that everyone sort of knows about you know i mean don't get me wrong he's not up there with our uh freddy kruegers and our michael myerses and, and things like that but the lipstick face demon which is what I, i'm just you know that's that's his, what his credited title is that's not me just assigning a name to him um we, we barely see him in this movie you know you get that glimpse of him in that scene um when josh is talking to lorraine and then you obviously see him in the sort of climax of the movie where they're chasing josh um but i don't know how do you feel about him as a villain because you've you've watched your fair share now of horror movies with me um would you say he's a particularly memorable one or one that you would like like to see more of obviously now that we've gone on and finally sort of having... Because the Insidious franchise has been teasing us with the return of the lipstick Face demon for years now. Obviously, you know, the cutscenes at the end of... Uh, is it three and four, I think? We both have him sort of showing up at the very end. You know, that that, that last moment. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Last Door finally gave, it, gave him back to us. But is that something that particularly excited you when you were going to see the new Insidious? Because you were really excited to go and see the new one. Yeah, um... I did kind of expect more of him, but um, we didn't really get that, so that was that was a bit disappointing. Not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, I guess I wished we kind of saw more of him. It, it, it's, it's weird. It's one of those things because sometimes not seeing a lot of a villain works out really, really well. You know, it, it doesn't. It, it's it's one. Um, you know when. Uh, for example, you know, I'm talking about Michael Myers in that original Halloween movie, you know, you see so little of actual Michael Myers. One of your, I know one of your favourite movies is Hellraiser, 
and Pinhead only has a few minutes of screen time in that entire actual movie and Pinhead's one of your favourite horror villains out there yeah. you know um, so it's just interesting how it sort of works on balance you know I think if you if the rest of your movie is is really because the thing is with Hellraiser that's just a fucking great movie I mean around. in Hell- Hellraiser it's like it's not actually him that's like doing all the torturing and stuff it's like other people like killing yeah, no, all that no, so yeah. they could like have their body and stuff, but here, um, it's a lipstick face demon, and he's kind of like the villain there. Yeah, so he's the main he's one, like, isn't he? Kinda... Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, I, you're absolutely right. In Hellraiser, Pinhead, uh, Pinhead's not your main villain, and some would argue in Hellraiser he's not. The, well, the first one in particular, he's not even your villain at all. People would argue in that movie that Julia and Frank are your two actual villains, and they're, they're probably right. So yeah, there's obviously a difference there. I think it's how you tell the story. When is your main, this movie is your main focus villain. But however, you know, it does still work in other movies as well. Again, going back to Halloween, Michael Myers is definitely your main villain in that movie, and he's not in it particularly long. Uh, the Xenomorph in the original Alien only has a few minutes of screen time, you know, Bruce the shark doesn't show up until like halfway through fucking Jaws, you know. So it, it does definitely work in balance. I think here, it's it's a tough one because I don't think without the lipstick face demon, the rest of the content of this movie is interesting enough, and that's really what matters, isn't it? Because like you say, if you take it back to that Hellraiser example, that's such an interesting concept of a movie anyway that you don't even need to have Pinhead there you know you've, you've got such an interesting storyline going on with Frank and Julia and Kirsty and, and and everyone else and even with the rest even with other Cenobites as well in that movie because you've got the Chatterer and the female Cenobite and Butterball all in there as well so you know there's so much other interesting shit going on in Halloween you know you've got this uh, ultimate you know, uh, Final Girl with Jamie Lee Curtis and, you know, she's gone on to become one of the most famous Final Girls of all time and and blah, blah, blah. Whereas here, you know, what's going on in the rest of the movie, I think it almost links back into what I was saying earlier about it being quite formulaic and it's sort of really being, I think, quite predictable. I think this is a really predictable movie. Um, and I think that's what leads to the problem with the lipstick face demon for me and not really getting that much of him. I think if we'd gotten a bit more of him sort of coming in and generally just trying to fuck shit up, because ultimately it's only that scene where he sort of manages to temporarily possess Dalton that we really see any sort of power from him. And the rest of the time, he actually seems quite weak. And they even sort of say throughout the movie, you know, you're alive, you're so much stronger than they are, and, you know, they're they're weak. And at no point to me in this film are they really selling the villains as actually being villains that can really fuck some shit up. Now, obviously, at the very end, that changes with the death of Elise, because that's actually the only death in this movie as well, when you think about it. So that's, again, a rare thing for a horror movie to have one or i mean i know there are horror movies out there that have no deaths and there are some very successful ones you know poltergeist probably being the biggest uh sort of example of that but for a movie like this and then obviously as you go on into the further other people die in you know the franchise as it goes on um so for me i just don't think they sell the villain as being sort of dangerous enough for you to really sit there and feel like there's like massive stakes i don't know like do you do you ever feel like oh this is like some super powerful villain like you've like again you've watched so many other horror films you've 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 already mentioned you know there's really no gore in this movie it's it's obviously a a pg-13 or a 15 movie um 
which you were shocked at when we went to go see Red Door because I think you assumed it was going to be an 18. Yeah, because usually for horror movies it's like quite high, yeah. high rated and yeah, the, the kids that came in, they seem like they're under definitely under 15. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> A group of kids, and they, I think they were about 13. Yeah, definitely. Came into, came into the theatre for us. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that's again, it's maybe just a, a drawback of creating a sort of more PG horror movie, and there there are a ton of like a ton of them out there. Um, so I don't know. I I just like, did do you feel like there's proper a proper sort of stakes? There's proper sort of danger with the lipstick based demon. Um, like, did you did you feel like our characters were ever really in danger? When you were watching the movie, were you, was there a point in this movie where you thought some of these characters might actually die? Um, I would say there was like moments with Dalton, but other than that, no, definitely not. Because he was like trying to get back to his body, and there was like a demon trying to like grab him by his legs and like yeah. pull him back, and yeah, that was kind of like. And as well, while they were having their seance and um. They were like talking to him, and he was saying, "Oh, be quiet, because they're gonna find me and find you." It felt like he might be in actual danger. Yeah, I mean, like, like I'm not like I'm not saying that there's no moments of danger for the characters. I just I remember when I watched this for the first time, and you know, obviously the the, the scene you're talking about, that seance scene, it's it's so deep into the movie at that point as well. I think had that scene come earlier in the movie, I think I I would have felt that the characters are in a lot more danger than than they actually are but because it's so deep in the movie and we're so close to the end and even in that sort of final scene you know where josh does go to rescue dalton and they're in the sort of the demon's lair and and you know you've got tiny tim blasting in the background and and things like that you know it's they, they escape so easily they you know you get back and i know obviously in the end of this movie josh doesn't escape but josh and you know spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the franchise josh doesn't die you know even though he gets possessed in this movie and they go on in another movie to put his family in danger he still doesn't die so it's like what's the actual what's the actual danger for these people because even if they end up getting possessed they don't die and they could easily get their body well, maybe not easily but they could get their bodies yeah. back in the future and i think for me that just takes away an element of danger for the characters you know because you know, uh, Elise says it, Elise goes into the further in the sequel. Carl goes into the further and gets his body back, even though he they all think he's dead. He's not even dead. It, it's just for me, you know, it's one of the things that will always sort of draw me back from this movie, as I just don't think um, the characters are ever really truly in massive danger. And it's funny, and I want to go back to a point you made earlier, because you talked about sort of Josh being this sort of typical movie husband, but Josh is the one who does all the fucking saving in this movie. Can I just point out, Renee actually does sweet fuck all in this film. Like, she's the one, okay, yeah, that's fine, she's the one at home and she's the one that sees the ghosts. At no point are the ghosts even remotely interested in Renee. She is in zero danger for the entirety of the movie. She's not the one with the power who's got the ability to go into the further so it's josh that has to go in and do that what the fuck is the point of renee in this film <laughs> exactly speechless <laughs> speechless <laughs> um a couple other things uh, i want to go talk about 
and then you know if there's anything else you want to bring up we can we can um briefly talk about specs and tucker um because again and i'll talk about this because we're gonna i'm gonna um do a mini sword on red door i'll talk about this when i do that one of the good things i think about a lot of the insidious sequels is that comic relief that they bring in that funny moments and i know from watching that you know you find some of the moments funny you know in the second one you know after sort of tucker's been sedated and he bursts through the door once everyone's safe you know i remember you laughing at that moment you know there's a few there's a few different moments and their general sort of banter between the two of them is definitely their catchphrase that was the best thing oh what was their catchphrase again um oh what was their catchphrase again she's a, she's a psychic we're, we're a psychic. psychic yeah <laughs> yeah that's funny though the catchphrase that no one in the movies found funny is the one thing that you found really funny um yeah so it's it's one of the big positives for me here because it gives that levity that gives that you know sort of balance i think for this movie and those sorts of laughs it's definitely the biggest drawback i have from red door is you know again going back to the fact that we've got all these likable characters in lin shay in lee Wanell and angus samson and all in here they are all so limited in that final movie. You know, they're all, they're all back for the movie. You know, Lee Wanell's the writer of the franchise. He's the creator of the franchise. And, you know, they're so limited in that film. And I think having them so prominently throughout. Because to me, you know, they go and talk about Red Door. And, the, you know, the whole point of that is, well, it's the return of the Lambert family. You know, we're finally getting closure on that story. But they're not the interesting characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, it's one of the good things I do like about the sequels is that we forget about them and we go and follow Elise and Specs and Tucker because they're the interesting ones. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, one more thing. Obviously, I've mentioned it a couple of times about, uh, you know, tiptoe through the tulips and tiny tim it's obviously one of the things that this movie sort of came famous for was that that song um by tiny tim being played a couple of times throughout this movie again it's a song that they teased being in all the sequels any trailer um or advertisement for you know chapters two through to the last key all sort of had tiptoe through the tulips playing at some point yet none of those movies actually have it in there obviously red door does bring finally yeah. tiptoe through the tulips so i think obviously we're allowed to believe that's maybe the sort of theme tune for the lipstick face demon rather than the theme tune for the franchise as a whole and it's not the first time well i, I, well, I don't know because like i mean i'm sure you're familiar with this as well where horror movies will play upbeat songs over horrific events to sort of make it seem a little bit weird like it seem kind of out of place. I don't know. Like um, I'm trying to think of ones off the top of my head. Have you you've you've seen you haven't seen the newest Conjuring movie, have you? The Devil Made Me Do It. There's a scene in there where one of the characters is losing his shit, but it's to Call Me by Blondie, and you know it's 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 bizarre and it's something that horror movies do. But I think this is probably one of the most popular sort of instances of it. I don't like. I'm assuming that you're not overly familiar with the work of Tiny Tim. <laughs> and no. uh, how do you feel on those scenes when those songs are coming on? And like, I don't know, like what sort of effect is it? Is it something that sort of freaks you out a little bit? Or do you think, what the fuck, why, the, why are they playing this? Like, how does that make you feel when you're you're hearing Tiptoe Through the Tulips? It does definitely give you that like, kind of uneasy feeling that's like, you're going to be a bit of a creepy scene or something like that so it's definitely makes you feel uneasy 
I don't know, like, it's just interesting to get your perspective because I'm someone who's 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 so desensitized to these things that there, there isn't really fucking horror that creeps me out anymore, you know? So it's interesting to get the perspective of someone who's just not, is who just hasn't seen quite a lot of those movies. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything else in your notes that you, you've highlighted that you would quite like to talk about or like to bring up or anything like that? No. No? It's just, uh, it's an interesting one because... From what I read on social media and shit like that, and and reviews and things, this the Insidious franchise is obviously a massively popular franchise. It's gone on now to have its just have its fifth movie, um, for better or for worse. You don't do that unless you're a massively popular franchise. But I don't know, like I just get this sort of opinion that amongst sort of core horror fans, it's 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 really not that popular, and it's just interesting to me because. I much prefer Insidious to The Conjuring. I think, you know, one of my criticisms of this movie is that it's super, uh, it's super sort of formulaic. I would levy that at The Conjuring, but way worse. I think The Conjuring's an even worse example of that. And in actual fact as well, um, I'm talking about lack of deaths. No one dies in The Conjuring. Can't remember anymore. It's been so long since I've watched any of them. Um, Forgot to mention... You can definitely see that Conjuring, Saw and Insidious are all three quite connected because in one of the scenes, um, you can see Billy the Puppet yep. drawn on the um, chalkboard. On the whiteboard behind him yeah. when he's in the school, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah there, there's a couple. And as well, um, the actor that plays in Conjuring, one of the yeah. main characters. Patrick Wilson. Is Josh in this movie is, is, is Ed yeah. Warren, and if you noticed as well, uh, and Le- his mother's name in this movie is, is Lorraine. Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine Warren. Yeah, exactly. Um, also to connect those movies together, you've got Lee Whannell who plays Specs, and he plays Adam in the first Saw movie as well. So, you know, they're all sort of interconnected. Uh, Lee Whannell and uh, James Wan, who's directed this, they 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 they've worked together quite a lot. Lee Whannell's written quite a lot of. Uh, you know James Wan's movies, so they they have a really sort of close connection. And Lee Whannell has obviously gone on to be um, a horror director in his own right as well. He's done uh, the Invisible Man, which came out a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if you've you've seen that or not, but mm-hmm. um, that's obviously a really highly regarded film. I think he's directed something else, and it's just escaped. It's gone right out my head about what the uh, what movie it is he's actually just directed. I'm quickly going to check my notes because I'm sure I have it in here somewhere, but. I- it's a recent one, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. Uh, oh, it's going to... Oh, it was the third one. He directed the third Insidious. Um, it wasn't that recent, but yeah. So he he's also directed one of the Insidious movies. Um, he wrote the Saw franchise. He wrote this franchise, Invisible One. So he's someone who's gone on. And um, Patrick Wilson, who's obviously Josh and we talked about, he directed the newest Insidious. And that was his first movie that he directed and. I don't know if I want to see any more movies if he's going to keep directing them. I don't know. Um, well, maybe let him off with that one since it was his first goal, but I don't know. Um, anything else that you'd like to bring up then? Um, no. No? I think that that's me. <laughs> Is that you? Have you had enough now? Okay, <laughs> let's move on then and we'll talk about a little bit of trivia. I'm sure if we bashed your head in, all sorts of secrets would come tumbling out. 
We'll start off with the finances of the movie as always. According to IMDb, this movie had a budget of $1.5 million and grossed worldwide $100.1 million. So that's uh, that's essentially making about, what, 80 times its budget? Something like that. That's That's pretty good going. I mean, if you had a quid and did something and that turned into a hundred quid, I'm pretty sure you'd be quite happy with that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's no wonder they went on to make five, uh, four other movies as well. The newest one has only been out, I think, for five days. At the, at the time of recording, I think it's been out for about five days, and it's already made like 70 million at the box office around the world. So that's on course. It definitely gives you the get too hyped for it and yeah yeah no that's the thing so that's why well like, just think because i'm you know i i remember it's, it'd be interesting actually to get your sort of thoughts on this because i remember um when specifically three and four were coming out for the insidious franchise and again you could probably look at the saw franchise as being something along those lines and by the time those movies were coming out people did seem to be really sort of fed up with it, with it, you know, like, people were like, oh, it's another Insidious movie, oh, here comes another Saw movie sort of thing, and there just didn't seem to be any sort of hype for it. But it's obviously been a few years now since Last Key came out, and um, the hype around Red Door does seem to be really fucking high, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, it's bizarre. And then, you know, because um, Last Key came out in 2018, so that was five years ago. And there was only three years between chapters three and last key. So obviously five years, realistically, in the grand scheme of things in movies, is not that long a time. But the difference, you would say, for example, be something between like Saw 7. And I know we got a couple of Saw movies after that. We got Jigsaw and we got Spiral. But they're, although they're obviously still canon and part of the franchise, they tend to be a bit forgotten by a lot of fans of the genre. Um there's so much excitement about Saw 10 coming out this year, you know? And th there just seems to be that sort of revival of people getting really fucking excited for sequels to franchises again. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Like, because you, you were super fucking excited yeah. for Red Door. I mean, you were... Like, I could not wait. I wanted to see it as soon as... Yeah, and we went to see it an, an, on... Was it opening date, was it? The seventh we went to see it was the day no. after i think it was like the day after or yeah, two days so, later you know you were like and don't get me wrong you were super disappointed <laughs> you were super yeah. disappointed by it as well but um so yeah like there just seems to be you know this sort of excitement building around some of these sort of sequels and normally i would put that down to well we haven't really had anything new or good from that franchise for a really long time like last year again you could say the same about the the hellraiser sort of reboot that we got um, and for whether you think that's a good movie or not, you know, I put that down to the fact of, you know, we've had a lot of really shitty sort of Hellraiser sequels in the past couple of decades, and they're fat, and you know they were all really low budget. But here they are. Here was the new Hellraiser movie. They were putting a bit of money into it. It had its sort of controversies in the run up to the movie, and people sort of was general feeling of excitement about it. Did it live up to the expectations that everyone maybe had? Probably not. But was it still a good fucking film? Yeah, I still think it was a good film. And then, you know, I think similar here. But the difference for me here is, it's only really been five years since the last Insidious movie. Not a long time in the grand scheme of things, you know. When people are... When you think about the sort of... Everyone's, you know... For If you take your big franchises again, for example, there hasn't been a Friday the 13th movie for 
well over a decade there's not been a, a new nightmare on elm street movie for well over a decade you know when the, the new sort of halloween trilogy had came out there wasn't anything for that for a really long time and you know so you understand why people get excited for when there's something new for that so i i, I didn't really get the excitement for this when especially you know for for how low people had gotten on the franchise because people really weren't a fan of the last key i wasn't a big fan of the last key i don't think you were either were you um was that the fourth one yeah yeah um yeah wasn't wasn't the best but yeah definitely wasn't as bad as yeah. last one fifth yeah so obviously <clears throat> five movies in now the new movies still being like massive financial success at the box office but they've wrapped up the story here do you think we're gonna get more insidious movies or is that it for the franchise I think that probably would be the last of it. Okay. I I don't see where they could go further with. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because in further, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that was the thing, wasn't it? Because with the third and the fourth movies, you know, they were following Elise and all of her stories and things like that. And you could do that, like you realistically could do that for as long as you wanted. You know, you could have her ten movies of her and doing all these different sort of storylines blah 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 but they've removed that possibility from the fifth unless you're going to go back and do more prequels yeah because they said oh it ends with me yeah so yeah. that kind of like points out that that's yeah. going to be it for it yeah okay unless they show more of like elisa's life before or I just, yeah, but then you're, but jump, then you're jumping they've around. They've shown the, quite a lot yeah, already. And you're jumping around the timeline then as well, aren't you? You've so, got your first two movies, then you're going back in time for the second movie, and back in time for the next movie, and then forward in time, and then back in time. It's just weird. Anyways, um, moving on. I for for just to know, I do not wish there to be any more Insidious movies. I I am done with this franchise. There's five of them. That's enough. Um, the movie was originally going to be called The Further. That was the original title of the movie. Um, what do you think you'd prefer with further, or is insidious work for you? I think this works the best. Okay. Okay. I think it would be weird thinking that it would be called the further. Yeah. Mm. Well, Doesn't sound so good. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you know, we talk a lot about tiptoe through the tulips and the soundtrack. Um, we were talking about that sort of heavy violin that you can hear and how like how much the soundtrack sort of relies on that there was 33 violins they used for that main theme music so that's quite a lot <laughs> um just a few other quick moments of trivia i'm not particularly expecting you to know who all these people are so i'm just going to fire through them ethan hawk originally turned down the role of josh lambert um which ultimately went to patrick wilson ethan hawk would later then go on to appear in sinister a couple of years later i think we've watched sinister the one where he's the crime author and he finds all the old tapes. I think we have, yeah. Yeah, so Ethan Hawke is the main character in that movie. Um, so he went on to... Um, and eventually, uh, they're kind of... They're very, very similar movies. Not only do Insidious and Sinister use a negative adjective as their title, but both are supernatural horror movies produced by Jason Blum in which both Ethan Hawke and Patrick Wilson are the heads of their respective families who move into a house that is haunted by a strange entity that specifically targets children. So they essentially went on to do the same movie anyway. Um, 
also, just on that note, because I obviously pointed out that this isn't my favourite sort of subgenre of horror anyway, is supernatural horror movies. Um, I don't think it's any surprise to everyone that I love a good slasher movie. So, you know, Halloween's and Friday the 13th and, and Jason's. You've watched quite a few different movies now. Is there a particular one that you would say really suits you? Do you like, like, a supernatural horror movie? Or do you like, like, vampire movies or zombie movies or body horror or home invasion or gore? I mean, looking at kind of like my top favourite horror movies, it would be quite hard to tell what kind of Do you just think you're, like. you just think you're, as long as the movie's good, you're... I would you're, say so, yeah. Okay. Um, Barbara Hershey, uh, who plays Lorraine in this movie, um, has also previously played the victim of a poltergeist in The Entity in 1982, so a return to, you know, supernatural horror for her. Uh, this movie was partly a reaction on the part of James Wan to the success of his Saw movies. Um, his name had became so associated with extreme gore that he wanted to make a scary film that was more traditional. So you can understand why you would want to do that. However, I would say that before this, you know, you also had Dead Silence, which is, a, I'm not sure if that's a, a movie you're familiar with. Um, that is a sort of supernatural horror movie as well that was directed by James Wan. That was his sort of... I would I would say that was his sort of movie that he made. I, I did that did it come after Saw? I can't remember if it came before or after Saw. Now at this point, I'm confusing myself. Um, but that was maybe his sort of movie that kind of goes under the radar a little bit in terms of uh, you know, when people say James Wan movies, they say Saw and The Conjuring and The Sidious. But you had um before that, you had um Dead Silence as well, which is. I, um, it came out a few years after Saw, sorry, I was just quickly looking that up, um, but it does tend to get forgotten about. So to say, you know, this movie was maybe in reaction to that, I think is only probably saying that because of the success of this movie, because, you know, Dead Silence is a one-shot thing. It is worth pointing out that James Wan is a director that's managed to sort of transcend the horror genre as well, because he has also directed uh, a Fast and Furious movie. He's also part of the MCU and has directed Aquaman, so... You know, I know you're a fan of the Fast movies. Yeah. Did you know he did the Fast and Furious 7? No. No? See, there you go. I mean, I enjoy the movies. I don't really look at who directs them and yeah, you stuff don't, like that. I you, don't really pay attention to that. You don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, the composer of this movie, so the person obviously who created our score and soundtrack, Joseph Bashara, he is actually the lipstick-faced demon. It's him, oh, wow. It's him that plays that. Um... Other people who were considered for the role of Lorraine in this movie were people like Maya Rudolph, Nicole Kidman, Emma Thompson. Are you familiar with any of those? Just one of them. Just one of them? Is it? Is it? Which one? Which one do you think? Oh, I don't know. Because like, they're, they're all really famous to me. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. So you, don't, you don't know who Emma Thompson is? Maybe if I saw oh, a picture of her. Have you ever then... seen... Have you, I mean... <laughs> I'm probably going to offend a lot of people, but this is the scene that... Because this scene breaks my heart. Have you ever seen Love Actually? don't think so. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, and finally, Ali Baldwin was considered for the role of Josh Lambert. Um, I'm very glad it went to Patrick Wilson. I really like Patrick Wilson in horror movies. Like, he's, he's yeah. done a lot of them now. This is not the first Patrick Wilson movie we've covered on the show. Obviously, we've already done The Conjuring. We've also done Hard Candy on the show as well. Um, so this is... We've done a few Patrick Wilson. For me, like... And I think... Maybe more so in the sequel because 
it's always obviously Patrick Wilson that's playing it, but he's having to play so such a variety of his own character. That entire second movie, virtually, he's having to play this possessed version of himself, you know? And then when you go on to The Red Door, it's one of the biggest positives I have about that movie because he's then having to play this... Don't get me started on that fucking film because he's they've essentially given him fucking Alzheimer's in that movie and he's having to play this really sort of clouded version of himself. So I think he is probably one of the strongest points in this film. Anyways, uh, let's move on to our final segment of the show, which is the ratings and the reviews. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. As always, we'll start off with the critics' scores. IMDb scored this movie a 6.8 out of 10. Metacritic scored it a 5.2. Rotten Tomatoes critics scoring it 66% fresh, with the Rotten Tomatoes audience scoring it 62%. So it's an interesting thing, because they're actually, if you look at it, normally, you know, critics hate horror movies. And uh, it's it's an interesting thing, because if you look at those scores, you know, maybe Metacritic slightly aside, but even then, it's not a million miles away. They're all relatively in the same sort of ballpark figure. I mean, obviously you're kind of aware that sort of critics tend to rate horror movies lower than audience. Like, did you expect those sorts of scores or did you think it was maybe going to be a little bit higher? I hoped it would be a bit higher. Okay. Now I'm thinking it's definitely not going to be. Definitely not going to be top 20? No. Okay, well, we'll find out soon enough. Don't, don't look at the <laughs> leaderboard that's currently up on the screen. As always, uh, Craig's consensus, sorry. Aside from a shaky final act, Insidious's very scary and very fun haunted house thrill ride. As always, we throw it out to our listeners asking for your opinions and scores, and we read a few of them out. So Candy, the final girl from uh, uh, the House That Screams podcast, gives it a 5, just says it was all right. Uh, Klamp78 gives it a 7.5. Some very spooky scenes and one I enjoy revisiting. Crow Studios gives it a 7. Although enjoyable and a nice twist on the usual haunted house stuff, it's just a bit boring in places. Uh, Hella Horror Podcast gives it an 8 on that bad boy. The third act in the demon reveal, that fool looked like a 1900s depiction of Satan, but shit had me creeped out for most of the movie. Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast gives it a 7.5. The cast and score rules. The atmosphere is great and releasing before The Conjuring, it kind of kicked off the haunted house craze of the 2010s. And finally, Sarah Marie gives it a 7. I like to come back to this every now and then, but I think I like Chapter 2 the best. So that's something I haven't really asked you. Is this your favourite of the franchise? Um, I don't think this one's the, my favourite, but... Which, like... which one would you say is your favourite then? Two? Possibly. Uh, I think if this isn't people... It's like where... don't remember which one exactly it is, but it's where they find out more about the story and, like... Yeah, yeah, that's... The lipstick. Yeah, that's, lipstick the, that's the second one. Okay. Uh, so, overall, our listeners and followers gave this uh, movie an average score of 5.5 out of 10. It's, it's, one, it's an interesting thing because, again, you know, our audience probably tends to be the most sort of generous when it comes to scoring movies. Um... But it's only a 5.5 for Insidious from our audience. So they they obviously think it's a very middle-of-the-road movie. That just leaves me and you. Um, actually, it doesn't because Nico did give me his score for this movie before he went away on his holidays. Um, and he hates this film. He gave it a 2 out of 10. Uh, you, you're just sitting there shaking your head. Uh, that just uh, breaks my heart. It does. Anna, on a scale of 0 to 10... What will you score Insidious? Um, I would say 
like an eight. An eight out of ten. Yeah. Any anything you're taking points off of for? Why 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 do you feel an eight? I don't think I'd rate any of the movies ten out of ten. But um yeah, it's just kinda of like the slow start and everything and as well like there's other movies in the franchise I like a bit more. That's fair. So no, that's perfectly... no particular reason. That's particularly fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I never rate a movie 10 out of 10. Even my favourite horror movie of all time, my favourite movie of all time didn't get 10. So it's uh, absolutely fine. It's it's a weird one. I think it's a tough one to rate because I don't think this movie is particularly great, but I don't hate it either. Like, it's a movie that's kicked off this franchise. I really like the franchise. I like so much about this movie. I like the actors in it. I like the score. Is that your alarm going off? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And there's there's absolutely tons to love about this movie, but there's something just kind of missing for me. I don't know if it's maybe a little bit more death and gore that maybe... But then, you know, on the other hand, that might have just totally ruined the movie. And, and I don't know. There's just something there. I really like this movie. I absolutely think people should go see this movie. I think this is actually a really good intro to horror movie to get people who maybe aren't horror fans or people who are maybe... Because not everyone loves gore anyway. And you wince whenever there's like a particularly minging scene of something on screen, you know. But I love a wee bit of gore. But not Although it's not, I absolutely love Terrifier. So. You did love Terrifier, yeah. Um, anyways, I'm going to give Insidious a 7 out of 10 so i think i think it's good i don't think it's great so i, ca- I can't really give it that sort of eight score that you've given it it's just it's just not up there for me but i think a seven's still a pretty pretty high a yeah pretty good score for me and it's really different from nico so i'm really happy <laughs> uh given that all of our scores combined with your scores and the critic scores gives insidious an average score of 5.9 out of 10 puts it in 52nd place of the now 77 movies that we've covered on the show so not quite in that top 20 not even in the top 50 it's in that well into the bottom half it's one place below the strangers it's one place above halloween 2 it's two places because obviously not sure if you've seen any of those uh, it's two places above horns which i know you've seen because you watched uh, w- watched it with me um i'm assuming you think insidious is much better than horns yes yeah okay john just for reference nico gave horns an eight no no <laughs> are you just gonna should we just sack him yeah. okay we'll just sack him nico, nico's <laughs> he'll be listening to this he'll be raging okay uh that's it then that's gonna do it for the show this week anna thank you so much for filling in my pleasure do you think you'll be back well hopefully (laughs) well we'll see um if you liked anna's weird latvian tones on this podcast uh, then you can let us know on twitter at damn podcast we're on facebook and instagram pod of the damned you can email us at pod of the damned at gmail.com and you can subscribe to us on patreon patreon.com forward slash pod of the damned maybe we should add like a new like 20 pound tier on our uh, on our patreon and you could just be your feet picks <laughs> absolutely great idea see great excellent okay so if you, um, brand new tier coming to patreon 20 quid and you can get feet pics. It's definitely not going to be just my feet pics uh, claiming to be yours. <laughs> she has really big feet. Uh, anyways. 
up next on the show, Nico will be back next week. Uh, so Anna is not not going to be joining us next week. Get get to have a break now. Um, but Nico will be back next week, and we are going to be talking all about Megan. Um, Anna, you've have you watched that one? You haven't seen no. that one, but it's one that you've you'll have you've seen like advertised and things. Oh. Yeah. So are you? Because we'll we'll probably end up watching it together anyway. Is that one that you'd be quite excited to see? <laughs> That's a no. Is that a no? I'm not sure. Not particularly okay. excited. Okay. Well, I've heard I've heard really good things, so I'm sure I'm sure we'll be interested to see. We'll, Anyways, we'll see. Anyways, thank you once again to Anna for joining us. Thank you to everyone at home for downloading and listening to this episode. And until next week on the Pod of the Damned, just remember, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. <laughs>